0: Hello and welcome to Retro Perspective, the nerd party's look at all of the movies released 25 years ago this week. I'm Mike. I am John. And today we're going to be taking a look at the movies released on March 18th, 1994. Yeah. There were six movies released this week and not all of them are available on video, which is kind of annoying. But what can you do? Let's go down the list, starting with the the little movies, which didn't even make it onto Box Office (laughs) Mojo's charts. Yep. Uh, Number six in that list, unranked, is Oh, Woe Is Me, uh, which has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was directed by Jean-Luc Godard and starring Gerard Depardieu, and it looks like one of those crazy Godard movies where he's just playing around with stuff yeah, seeing what happens. And I'm a big fan of those movies. I'm a big fan of Godard. I really wanted to watch this movie, but you can't find it anywhere. It's annoying. It seems yeah. weird when
1: you hit those walls where it's like, yeah. what? I thought we were in the streaming age. It's so right. easy to just get
0: that stuff out there. Yeah. Or at the very least, buy a DVD or something, but nope. Right. Nothing. Nothing Weird, at all. man. Weird. Yeah. But our next movie, which is streaming on Amazon Prime, is a movie called Suture, mm-hmm. and that has a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hadn't heard of this movie up until now, but I watched the trailer, and it stars Dennis Haysbert. And I think both of us watched this movie. We did.
1: Both of us did watch this movie, yeah.
0: Do you want to give a description of it?
1: Yeah. Uh, A guy uh, comes into town to meet up with his brother, um, and they continually talk about how similar they look. And they are uh, joining up supposedly to find a connection in the wake of their father's death. And the brother, who's the rich and successful one, tries to kill the other one, and it leads to a lot of questions of identity and self that I, I know I'm sort of like stumbling through it. I'm like, I'm debating whether I want to do any sort of like spoilery type of thing. But, you know,
0: I mean, I think it, it's it's reasonable to say that, you know, the reason why he tried to kill his brother. Brother is because he was trying to make he was trying to fake his own death, right? And and you know run away, but he didn't do a good job. So now the the not rich brother uh, has amnesia, doesn't know who he is, let alone that he's not the person who everyone thinks he is, right. and it causes some problems.
1: Yeah, and the the whole thing is is about you know how you identify yourself, how are, how you're seen by other people. And so like the primary casting choice is incredibly interesting because it's Dennis Haysbert and Michael Harris, and they do not look terribly similar. One of them is an African American man and the other is a Caucasian man.
0: But in the context of the movie, they look alike to everybody. Yeah. They really sort of, I mean, no one says anything about it or anything like that. It's all just like, wow, it's amazing how similar we are, blah, blah, blah. But they obviously don't look at all similar. I mean, it's a really interesting choice. You know, it's, it's very kind of abstract the way that it's done. The whole movie is in black and white, but like yeah. widescreen, it looks gorgeous yeah and, oh i agree uh, yeah and it's it's just a little bit off centered you know it's a little bit weird and you know i this totally makes sense to me i did not really realize this until watching the end credits but uh one of the executive producers on the movie was steven soderbergh oh really yeah. Oh, i didn't know that so yeah this seems like a soderbergh like, type of thing i like this idea go yeah. for it you know whatever i don't know what he did on it but you know it's kind of cool but yeah, the directors, I mean, it's a team of directors. This was their first movie, Scott McGee and David Siegel. And they have gone on to do an, a number of movies which have been very critically acclaimed, including uh, The Deep End, B-Season, and uh, What Maisie Knew. So, I mean, this is kind of cool to see their first, their first movie right out yeah. of the gate. And I, I thought it was solid. You know, I mean, some of it didn't quite work. But on the whole, I thought it was a really interesting premise. I thought that the photography was great. The performances were great. Uh, It it worked for me. Yeah, it works for me, too. I think that there are a couple of choices
1: where I think they could have handled it a little bit differently. Like, I I think they had too much lead in with with Haysbert, if that makes any sense. I think it would have been better if it had started post bomb, as it were, and then have the audience trying to put it together. Although I understand why they did it the way that they did. It, it very firmly establishes the conceit. And I think that the, you know, the whole question of identity that's explored through it is very interesting. You know, are you how people see you or are you who you claim to be? Can you change that at some point? And, you know, what does that entail? And whose life are you really living? And I, I think that my general impression of it was it's such an interesting concept, but it doesn't lend itself, at least in this fashion, to film. I would have loved to see this as a stage production. I think that would have been extremely interesting. Like, I could see myself seeing this as a stage production and walking out and saying, you've got to see this. This is just a really well-done, well-structured script. And, you know, the the performances are great. It's just, there are just those hurdles, I think, inherent to film itself. There's a different way that you mentally approach it. And doing novel casting like this, this is obviously a personal thing, I guess. But it works well here. I think it works better on the stage because when you're on stage, the audience is much more participatory in terms of creating the illusion. Whereas with film, you're much more used to having it force fed to you. And so, I mean, I I applaud it because it's the type of movie that makes you work for it a little bit as opposed to just spoon feeding the things to you. But I I just, I think it would have been an even better, I still would see this as a stage production. If somebody said, hey, you know, we're adapting it for the stage, I'd be like, oh, hey, I'll I'll go see that.
0: Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, And I guess in a lot of ways, people would kind of like expect that more from like a stage production. But I guess at the same time, I kind of love how bold they were with trying to do this in film when Mm -hmm. people just, they don't do it. You know, like I kept on thinking like, where's the twist? When is someone going to realize this? Where's the Twilight Zone-esque twist? And there isn't one. It's Mm -hmm. just a, a, a choice which is made on like a very sort of abstract level, and it works. So yeah. I, I kind of applaud them doing that in a medium which normally doesn't allow that sort of thing. Sure. But but it was kind of cool f- to sort of discover, like, a movie which I didn't even know existed up until, mm-hmm. like, a week ago. And, you know, now I, I've seen it and and liked it, and it's something which is, like, just so weird that it's it's not it's not even like it's a movie where it's like oh i never knew that existed and that's like a really solid movie it's like this is a type of movie which i've never seen before so mm. that that was kind of cool and i mean it is kind of cool that it's available on amazon prime you know a lot of people i know have amazon prime of course so yeah if you if you're one of those people and you want to check out this movie you can so yeah, and uh, I, I will say that of the
1: movies that uh, we've watched up to this point, it's the one that's actually stuck with me the most after watching it. Like I, I've cool. still I've chewed over it a bit afterward, and I just really, really like what they did just in terms of the casting. I, I just think it's such a, to your point, it is such a, an unexpected sort of choice for film yeah like I like there was even a part of my brain while I was watching it where I was saying, "Oh, yeah, if they did this today, they would just have you know CG actors, you know like they, they would just duplicate
0: them, and it 'd be two Robert Downey juniors or something like that, so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, all right, next movie for this week coming in at number twenty five with 0 point one million at the box office, and a sixty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes is Bitter Moon. Which was directed by Roman Polanski. And uh, this is another movie which I wanted to watch but couldn't find. It's not streaming anywhere. You can buy the DVD, like used off of Amazon for like 25 bucks, but I wasn't going to do that because just last week they announced that a Blu ray is going to be released in like a month or two for like 20 bucks. And I'm like, you know what? I just cannot justify spending twenty five dollars on a blind buy DVD when yes. a better version is right around the corner. I'm sorry. I guess I'm not dedicated to this podcast, but you know what? <laughs> it is what it is.
1: No, you're you're plenty dedicated. I I even if this were available, I doubt this would have been my choice. Just because I don't. I've I've a really weird um, thing, and you and you and I we've known each other for years i don't know if i've ever gone into this but i have a really weird thing with movies that deal exclusively with infidelity it really gets under my skin it really really but it's got to be done so well that uh i like i i'm willing to overlook that but it's a, it's a severe hang up of mine i cannot dig a character like they, they they make it too sympathetic i guess for me or whatever and i guess that's probably a window into my soul but you know just as a result like i need to i need to hear like nothing but accolades of the movie before i'm like all right i'll give it a try like i mean seriously when i saw english patient that was one of my big hang-ups
0: okay was like
1: uh, y- y'all are cheating no i don't like you people at all you know like that sort of thing yeah
0: so. okay all right well, that's that's fair. I mean, I, I was a little uh, iffy on it just because of you know Roman Polanski or whatever, but yeah. you know it, it is what it is. So maybe maybe further down the line I'll be able to catch up with this one again. But as of right now, no such luck. Yeah, I have seen number twenty two at the box office this week, which uh, I didn't rewatch today, but we had just watched it for another podcast a few months back, maybe like a year back at this point, but whatever. The Paper, which made $0.3 million at the box office, you know, a limited release, I'm sure, just like Bitter Moon, probably. 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, this movie directed by Ron Howard, starring Michael Keaton. I know you've seen this one, too, because we've talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. You want to have a description? Yeah, uh,
1: it's a life—a day in the life of a newspaper man who just wants to be right more than he wants to be on time, and a lot of conflict ensues around it, and you have Robert Duvall as the mentor character who is trying to guide the ship while finding what the real meaning of life is, and you have Glenn Close as the adversary who just wants the paper published and doesn't... And has a line where she says, we can be right tomorrow. And I think, in all honesty, this is a movie that ages better and better as time moves forward. And you think more and more of the botched headlines and the way that internet news works and misreporting and stuff like that. And you see Michael Keaton take this principled stand saying, no, it matters more to get the story right than it does to get it out the door That's, you know, that's something that's really more resonant than it, than it needs to be in the modern age, you know?
0: Yeah. And what you, 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 you saw this as a member of the press, is that correct?
1: I did actually. Yes. Yeah, I did. Um, I was working for a small, uh, regional newspaper, um, at the time, the Montgomery Journal. I don't think it exists anymore. So I think I'm allowed to say that or whatever, but I was just a, you know, a lowly, you know, I, I did, uh, the, I did the movie times I would you know edit articles I wrote a couple of articles they screwed up my byline on one of them so thanks guys mm. they yeah they attributed it to the wrong person <laughs> but uh yeah so I I went up getting uh, a press pass and I went with uh Lori uh who was actually my speech and debate coach in high school and she worked at the paper as well I think she got me the job or whatever but yeah we went and we saw it and uh Loved it. We thought it was really good. And I still think it's really good. I think it's a good movie.
0: Yeah I enjoyed it as well. Um, I I guess I was expecting a lot out of it and you know I mean I thought it was decent. It didn't blow me away. I I haven't felt the need to revisit it uh, since seeing it you know originally. But I do like these sort of day in the life movies and these movies which kind of like show how like a institution operates you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so i I would i would say it was good i would i would definitely recommend it
1: yeah yeah i and i think i think it also shows ron howard has a real strength at playing an ensemble cast to display their strengths you know each performance in here is the best i would i would expect and there are even some surprise performances from like jason alexander that's just Really good. I I think Ron Howard knows how to get good
0: performances out of people. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. All right. So now moving into the wide release movies. Yes. Number four at the box office with $5.4 million and a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes is Monkey Trouble. Huh. (laughs) Did you watch this? No, I did my
1: time with the Disney thing <laughs> earlier this year. It's going to take a hell of a lot for me to come back to it.
0: That's fair. Thora Birch as a kid who has a monkey who's like stealing things or something. I don't know. Probably.
1: Yeah, and like Harvey Keitel is the monkey handler or something yeah. like that. Yeah, But I'll the thing is, cast. because we all know that I'm one of those people that always thinks of Simpsons references, I think of the uh, the episode of The Simpsons where Bart gets lice you know, and they say, Oh, lice, how did you get lice? And then it flashes back, and you see this monkey clambering around uh, Millhouse and Bart. And he says, Oh, wh- where'd the monkey come from? He goes, I don't know. We bought the basket, and he was just in there. And then it flashes forward, and Bart's saying, Oh, I got lice, and Millhouse didn't get anything. And the camera pulls back, and Millhouse is shivering, going, So cold. So if I see a monkey scampering around, that's what I think of is disease and lice. Okay. So. Well,
0: that's, that's cool. I Not really. I haven't seen that episode of the, the The Simpsons. Sorry.
1: I know. I have too many of them locked in my brain. Oh. I seriously, if if like Philip K. Dick, Total Recall, technology comes about, <laughs> I will have them excised.
0: I need the space. <laughs> oh well. All right. So number one at the box office this week, raking in sixteen point nine million dollars, and uh. positive on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. It's all right. Is the Naked Gun 33 and a Third, The Final Insult?
1: Yes. Which I did
0: revisit. Okay. I've never seen this. I watched the first Naked Gun and it was bad. So I am not likely to watch any others. But what did you think of Naked Gun 33 and a Third?
1: Okay, first and foremost, The First Naked Gun is not bad. The First Naked Gun is still funny. Okay. It, it is still funny, but if you didn't care for The First Naked Gun, do not watch any of the sequels. <laughs> okay. Because there is definitely a law of diminishing returns. For many years, 33 and a third was treated as a step up from two and a half. Hmm. And it is. I, I rewatched Naked Gun two and a half, The Smell of Fear, not too long ago. I forget why. Just on a <laughs> kick. And I I was like, well, was this really, you know, and yeah, it does not age well. Thirty three and a third has some really inspired moments to it, but so many of the uh so many of the jokes are so rooted to specific things they were making fun of at the time that haven't moved forward. And, you know, yes, OJ Simpson's still in the movie. So, you know, there's that. Um but
0: it's it's the screen debut of uh Anna Nicole Smith. No, it's not. Isn't it? No, because she's in Hudsucker Proxy. That was one of the oh, things geez. which I was like, right. oh wow. Like well, Anna Nicole Smith's all over the place because right before watching Hudsucker Proxy, I watched our trailer lineup which included Naked Gun thirty three and a third. So I'm yeah. like, geez, Anna Nicole Smith, she's she's everywhere. Huh. I mean, I sworn the trailer she's, said she's in, like, two scenes and has, like, one line in Hudsucker Proxy, so I'm sure that yeah. for Naked Gun, which had a wide release probably before Hudsucker Proxy did, too, you know, I mean, that's probably commonly considered to be her first role, but she does have a little bit part in Hudsucker Proxy, so...
1: Yeah, well, Naked Gun 33 and a third has, again, if you dig the humor, it's okay, and... 25 years later some of the jokes just do not age and you have to sit there with others of them and say oh oh yeah that's Stelma and louise oh man say, have I seen that recently mm-hmm. you know like that sort of or or even there's one moment where the, you know they make a joke inspired by the crying game mm-hmm. and you think to yourself oh wow if you don't know the crying game then this joke just totally doesn't play for you at all so yeah
0: they really did kind of play to The present.
1: Yes. Yes, they did.
0: Yes, they did. Speaking of Anna Nicole Smith, um, did you ever see that uh, little short that Paul Thomas Anderson did on Saturday Night Live? No. Where they had, because there was that that show, like MTV Fanatic, where they would find like a random person who was like the biggest fan of a celebrity, and then they would introduce them to their celebrity
1: wasn't Ben Affleck in this one? Yes. Yes, I have seen it and yes, it's great. Yeah, I didn't know Paul Thomas Anderson did it because that is that is it was really funny.
0: And like Molly Shannon plays Anna Nicole Smith. Yes. Yeah. And they have like this whole thing where they're like, "Oh, I loved her in her in, in her movie Skyscraper." And they have like this, you know, like obviously like really cheesy movie with like really bad performance by Molly Shannon and I'm like, "Oh, that's fake." It's not. Skyscraper is a real movie, where I'm guessing she basically plays John McClane, you know. But um, Oof. I, need, I need to check that out. So, wait, wasn't there another movie called Skyscraper with The Rock? Uh, yeah, that just came out. was is, is that a remake really... of
1: The Inner Anna... Good? <laughs> is that a remake of the Anna Nicole Smith one?
0: They uh, subbed in the Rock. No, it's not. But uh, it's it's just I, you know
1: what. I'm going to say that it is, because okay. why not? It's not, it's, but
0: you can say that it is.
1: It's, cool. it's the same title. Why not? It's yeah. a reboot. Sure. There you go. Yeah. <laughs>
0: anyway. All right. So that's it for this week. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I think, you know, just based on like, you know, Rotten Tomatoes scores, like critical reaction, like you could say that this is the most solid week so far. You've got... yeah. Oh, woe is me at 100%. Bitter Moon at 64. The Paper at 88. Monkey Trouble, like bringing up the rear with 50%. Even Naked Gun 33 and a third had a 54%. I mean, that's that's a pretty solid week, you know? Yeah. Last week, I guess, was solid, except, you know, Lightning Jack kind of messed things up with its 6%. But, (laughs) you know, oh, well. Okay, so for, well, I mean, I guess, and I don't know, maybe we should stop asking that this at some point just to kind of uh, build the suspense for the end of the year, but did any of these movies dethrone? Oh,
1: Blue Chips? Yeah. Yeah, Suture's the best thing I've seen from 94 so far.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Didn't quite live up to Hudsucker Proxy for me, but...
1: Uh, oh, geez, I forgot about Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah, no, Hudsucker Proxy is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, okay. sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: Yeah. Hudsucker. Well, okay.
1: Hudsucker I had seen before, so Suture is the best of the things I hadn't seen before. Okay. Now. But Hudsucker is yes. still
0: number one. Yeah, that's still... Yeah, okay. Still top rank. Yeah. So we're in agreement on that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, next week is kind of light. We only have uh, three new movies next week to choose from. Oh, that's an easy week. Yes. Above the Rim, which was a Wednesday release, mm-hmm. The Blue Kite, and D2, The Mighty Ducks. Will I be lost if I haven't seen the first Mighty Ducks? Uh, that's
1: that's my question, you know? You know what? I'm going to say, I, you know what? Maybe I'll watch that just to, just so I can look at that critical eye and say, did they bring in the new audience with the
0: sequel? <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. Okay. So. All right. Yeah. I think I might just yeah. avoid it all and go with above the rim myself. But you know. Oh yeah,
1: that one's a definite. Yeah.
0: That one's a definite. Okay. But you know,
1: you never know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, John, where can people find you on the internet?
1: Uh, you know what? Uh, for the time being, I'm not terribly active on social media. But right. if you look for Kessel Junkie, um, look over on Letterboxd. Uh, That's where I'm always entering reviews for these things, uh, or at least star ratings or logging them or whatever. And uh, you can find me over on Goodreads. And then um, if you want to hear some Star Wars talking, then head on over here on the Nerd Party Network to Aggressive Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast with uh, me and Matthew Rushing. And
0: that's pretty much where you can find me. Mike, where can people find you? Well, you can find me uh, on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K. And you can also find me on Trek.fm doing a show called Tracks from the Edge. And you can find me on FilmDamagePod.com doing a show called Film Damage.
1: Awesome. That's
0: a good show. So uh, I guess that's pretty much it for this week. But we will be back next week to discuss some more 1994 movies. But until then, be kind, rewind.